Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Alongside Tanner Hendrickson and Grant Francis, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in the fast lane, they're going to have an opportunity, or they will be speaking, with Mike Matheny. So be sure to stay tuned with that. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we'll give you a chance to win a four-pack of tickets to Thursday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Dodgers, including a limited edition Mike Matheny bobblehead. By the way, this time tomorrow, we will have the opportunity to be joined by the Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozaluk. Excited to talk to Mo. We'll do that this time tomorrow so be sure to tell all your friends to tune in to bk and ferrario tomorrow at 1 30 but right now we're going out to the 101 espn hotline to be joined by chris kerber the voice of the blues here on 101 espn curbs we appreciate the time man how you doing today bk doing good today how are you uh, doing all right so i wanted to talk to you about the big nhl story that has uh been breaking over the last really i guess 12 14 hours or so which is uh, it, it sounds like Arizona, their future is in flux now. I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, Curbs, and at the time there was a lot of optimism that they would be able to get this deal pushed through and get a new arena built for them in Arizona. That's now done. That's not going to take place. What do you think the future holds for the Arizona Coyotes? I do not see the future of the Coyotes in Arizona. I think the National Hockey League has tried for 26 years to make it work and it just doesn't seem to, to go. They made a mistake uh, when they put the arena out in Glendale in the first place. They really, listen, in 26 seasons since they moved from Winnipeg, they've had seven different ownership groups and three different homes. Wow. And, and the first ownership group, which was Richard Bur- Burke and, uh, and Steve Elman, I believe, was his name. They had issues even between them on how they were going to go because Elman was the real estate developer. And, and, and so it really started there. Then when they built the arena out in Glendale after having an arena, much like Barclays Center, where you couldn't even see all the ice at, at the old America West, uh, it, it was just it was so difficult for people to get out to Glendale. And then now they, they've got a new owner that's got the money. From my understanding, and in talking with, some, uh, with, with people down in Arizona this past year when we went, this plan made sense. There's an area of land that includes part of an old dump that needs to be cleaned up. The Coyotes were planning, the, the Coyotes' ownership basically was saying, we'll take care of it all. This is a piece of land that the city of Tempe doesn't want to touch and deal with because they'd have to do the cleanup. This was basically all going to get funded essentially by the, the, the Coyotes. They, the, the Tempe City Council unanimously voted for it. It had to go to a vote. The interesting thing that happened here, guys, is they ended up getting people from both Glendale and from Phoenix, groups there that were buying ads convincing the people to not vote for it because those two entities did not want another entertainment complex, another 16 to 18,000-seat arena competing for concerts against the arenas that they already have built in those other cities. And so it really is quite a shame. And you know, the reality of it is, is I don't know what contingency plans they have to have this thing not go through, but it, it wouldn't surprise me whether it be San Antonio, whether it be Houston, whether it be someplace else, 
But I just, at, at some point, I just have to wonder how much longer you keep trying. You know, look, they've only made the playoffs nine times in 26 years as well. So from an on-ice perspective, it, it, it's a market that hasn't been given much of a chance either. Uh, Curbs, I, I don't think this is going to happen, but just out of curiosity, because locally it, it, it's something that I know has been brought up. If they were to entertain the possibility of moving to Kansas City, how do you think that would go over here in St. Louis, both with fans here and then also, of course, uh, maybe more importantly, with the Blues, who have uh, really kind of extended an olive branch to the city of Kansas City and has, have made some real inroads there? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know how the territorial aspects of that would go. You know, it, for example, could, you know, where, where all of a sudden could the Blues not have an affiliate? Who gets Columbia or Jefferson City as part of their territory? I would have to think that the Blues would want to make sure from the NHL standpoint that they keep that as the place where wherever the television broadcast could go or wherever the uh, the, the radio can get radio affiliates uh, could go, that would be part of it. Beyond that, we do have some season ticket holders and have had them for a while that come in fairly regularly from Kansas City. That said, uh, I, I, I would love to see an NHL team in Kansas City, the rivalry in-state, the two different markets, so... Um, I would think, I, I'd have to think, because they have that building already available, uh, that if if the Coyotes do move, I, I'd have to think, especially with the Hunt family owning the Kansas City Mavericks and, and having some, obviously, clout in the sports world and, and, and big say in the sports landscape in Kansas City, um, I, I'd, I think they'd be kind of crazy, Kansas City, or some people from there not kicking the tires, at least looking at that as an option. Chris Kerber is the voice of the Blues. He's joining us here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Kerbs, we've been kicking around a lot of the different options for the Blues this offseason on, on what they could end up doing, whether it's via trade, free agency, looking into the draft, and how all of these things, uh, they all kind of go hand in hand. One move in free agency affects what you do with trades, and that affects what you do uh, in this year's NHL draft. When you look at their burning needs going into the offseason, if you could only add, if you were in Doug Armstrong's shoes and you could only add one player in one specific position, what position would you be looking to target this offseason? Okay, I'm going to go a little off the. Uh, I'm going to go a little off the target for you on this one. Sure. Yeah, you, I, I, I did was do just just did a little more research because a couple of times we've we've talked about what type of player would you go for. I think the first thing that the St. Louis Blues have to look at is some character and some personality. You know, for some old TV fans, a little Wessonality for, you know, for, you know, who, who's going to bring home the bacon here? And and I honestly, I'm intrigued to see if the St. Louis Blues put, w- w- would make an offer for somebody like a Trent Frederick. Uh, and because you're going to get him at a, you, you could get him at a good price. I wouldn't mind giving up one of those later first round picks for him. In this case, he, he brings some jam that you need. He, he fills a, he'll easily fill a fourth line, but more likely a third line role for you. And, and I just think they need some of that extra jam. And I think that that's an extremely important aspect to have on your team when you have younger players coming in. Someone to give them some space. Someone, you know, that says, don't worry about it, I got him, kid, and, and takes care of things. And the way Trent has grown. Now, look, the Boston Bruins, have, uh, have they're going to have some cap space. They've got room because they're, they're going to lose some players. Uh, they've got some things to figure out. But if you could get him to me, Rather than going on necessarily for this, you know, this, uh, I mean, look, if you can get a William Nylander, okay, obviously that is what it is. Uh, a Mitch Marner type thing, I get that type of stuff. And and there's going to be some teams like like them, the, the Rangers, uh, the, the the Maple Leafs, I mean, that, that, that are going to be up against the cap that are going to have to move somebody. But the other move that I'm really thinking that this team has is they've got to, 
They've got to get some character. They've got to get some swagger. And I think they've got to bring somebody in that can stand up for some of these younger players that are not only on the roster now but coming in. And a guy like Trent Frederick, to me, fits that bill. He makes a lot of sense. He he kind of fits the the mold of what we've been talking about. We we brought up Ross Colton as that guy from the Toronto Maple Leafs, but, yeah, or excuse sure. me, from the Tampa Bay Lightning. But it's the same idea, right? A third-line center, middle-six center, uh, who's an RFA on a team that's getting into a little bit of a salary cap crunch. And uh, it's not that those teams want to give these players up, but eventually it becomes a numbers game. And w- what do you want to do if you're, for example, the Boston Bruins? Are you bringing back uh, David Krejci next year are are you going to try to bring back some of these other middle six players or do you decide to bring back Trent Frederick and if you don't you could potentially get like you said a first round pick in return for him so it it really is a numbers game there Boston Boston has two two players that intrigue me that fit the bill of what Doug Armstrong was talking about Trent Frederick is one the one that might be a little ahead of Trent and with some of the people that they're going to lose and the way he responded under Jimmy Montgomery, I'd have a hard time seeing them making the move. But if we're just, we're playing a little fantasy you know game here, going with that this. I like it is, is, is DeBrusque, mm-hmm. is Jake DeBrusque. And uh, both those guys, you know, Jake's pedigree is, speaks for itself, but both those guys bring it. I just think you, this team needs some more jam and it cannot be up to Braden Shen and Robert Bortuzzo to bring it where they're at in their careers. There's got to be some young, hungry blood to step up and do it. And there's, look, there, I understand we're not talking about the old enforcer role here. You've got to be able to play. If you're a fourth-line guy and you can penalty kill, you're going to get that 10 minutes of to 15 minutes of ice time a game. You've got to find some other ways. Uh, these are still young players that are growing into their own. We saw how they responded with a different head coach in Jimmy Montgomery. So how does that, how does that impact what Boston does with them? We'll have to wait and see. But this is why it's important, if, if you're a Blues fan right now, that you hope that this cap somehow doesn't change. And I don't know that it would at this point. but uh, Because it's going to put some teams like Boston, New York, uh, Toronto, it's going to put some teams really in a cap spot that's difficult. And, and that bodes well for the Blues this year. Then when it goes up next year, the Blues, I think, are more ready to play in the free agent pool at that point in time. So, But, you know, th- those are two guys that, hey, look, you know, Boston had a great run, and then and then they lost in the first round. You call and you ask, and you see if there's any traction. Uh, Curbs, we'll get you out of here on this one. I got about thirty seconds left here, but I'm just curious: have you started digging into any of these draft prospects at all? We got about a month left, so I, I don't blame you if you haven't. But have you started digging into any of these guys yet? No, I, I haven't dug into them too much. I've been looking at some mock drafts and all that stuff, but it, it just appears to me that when you do get, if they do end up staying at ten, Brandon. It appears to me that you're still looking at maybe a player that uh, you're you're not going to see on your roster for a year or two. Go over to The Athletic and check out their piece that they did earlier today on this Mikov. I'm all in. I'm all in, Curbs. Curbs, that's my guy. (laughs) Is that that the Russian? It's the Russian, yeah. He's not going to be over for the next three years. But, I mean, the the comparisons for him, the production that he's put up, like it's it's absurd. (laughs) I I don't think – I'm telling – I can understand that. I just think you've got to be so much more sure about whether or not he's going to come over and what it's going to take. And with today's climate politically and stuff, what's going on, that's a heck of a risk. If that play, if that player ends up dropping later in the draft to, you know, to the middle teens or into the twenties, then maybe take him. But, I, I, I need to know a little bit more certainty before I take him. Nah, Krebs, we're trading up. We're trading all of the first-round picks up to get to number three overall, and we're, take, we're taking him. That, that, that's the plan I'm right there. I'm taking Carlson. If I'm top three, I'm taking Carlson. Sorry, four. To go to four, then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Curbs, <laughs> appreciate the time, man. We'll talk with you again next week.
All right, guys. Have an awesome week.